0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe, in L.A. football podcast. Touchdown Rams! Touchdown UCLA! Recovered by the Chargers. The Trojans back in front. With your hosts, the coach and the Don. Part of the Believe Podcast Network. L.A.'s number one sports podcast network.
1: What's up, Delegates, and welcome to the Believe in LA Football Podcast with your hosts, the coach and the Don, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals, also on LAFBnetwork.com, your destination for Los Angeles football. Coach, how you doing, my man?
0: Yeah, I'm doing all right. How you doing?
1: Good, good. How was your uh, Thanksgiving?
0: It was. Oh, yeah, this is our first show posting. It's weird. I feel like I've seen you a lot. I know. Um, yeah it was good you know pretty traditional went to a family member's house down in temecula um technically it wasn't temecula marietta but um okay yeah it was it was fun it was a good time
1: you know who's from marietta i don't know if you watch golf at all but ricky fowler is from
0: marietta I, i'm embarrassed but i have no idea who oh, that yeah. is
1: all right well he's one of the top golfers young guy young <laughs> hip kid he's one you've probably seen pictures he wears all the flashy like bright orange puma gear and um flat build caps so anyway okay um Yeah, good. Glad to hear it. Yeah, mine was good as well. Just nice and real mellow. Woke up, um, had football. Obviously, the the Lions game was on at 9.30 L.A. time, so did some cooking. Or my wife mainly did the cooking. I kind of just chilled and watched football and got ready. Then went over to my brother-in-law's house and hung out there, ate with the family, had my sauce on my turkey, which was was delicious, and uh, came home in time for some Christmas movies. So can't complain. Very nice.
0: Very nice. So far, I don't know how many new ones you've seen. But is there a new Christmas movie that you've seen that, that you're, that's better than the rest?
1: Let's see here. We've wa- so we've already probably watched I feel like we've already watched like twelve, um, which is crazy considering it's December second right now at the day of this recording. Right. And uh but um I'm trying to think of new ones. So we've seen some really cheesy ones. Um one I think it was like a hallmark or lifetime, is with uh Matthew Lawrence. I can't remember the name of it, but uh he like the, he's Santa Claus. Or he's Santa Claus's son. Excuse me. Okay. Does it sound familiar? Well, he's Santa Claus's son. He has he has to find a wife basically by Christmas Eve. So he's in this like small town, um, playing like the mall Santa, and he ends up meeting this like single mom, and but it's like it's it's good. It's just super cheesy, but that one that one was decent. Um, okay. I'm trying to think what it's called. I can't think off off the top of my head, but, um, and then probably probably honestly the best new one I've seen. I mean, you I think talked about this off air, uh, before last episode. It's uh called Klaus on um i don't know if it's a klaus or just Claus, but it's on um netflix, netflix. it's a uh, I, think,
0: I think it is Klaus.
1: i think it's Klaus, but obviously it's like it's supposed to be like santa claus but pronounced Klaus. but it's uh, on netflix it's the um animated movie but it's actually very good really enjoyed it uh it, it's kind of the not to give too much away but basically it it details a christmas story or the christmas story from a very different kind of perspective um, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, but we enjoyed it. It was good, actually. It was one of those 30, 45 minutes in, I was like, I don't really know where this is going. And then you start kind of piecing things together. You're like, okay, I could get behind this. And then it ends. Really. That was great. Loved it.
0: Yeah, that's definitely one that's on our list, too. And I, what made me think of it on the way home today, I heard on the radio, um, a couple people actually talking about it. So I guess it's getting a lot, of, a lot of love out there. So, yeah, I think it's going to become a really big one.
1: There you go. Any new ones you've seen?
0: Uh, new ones for me, uh, I, this year we saw the Christmas Chronicles for the first time. It was new last year. Yeah. Where does, where does year, year late? But so far that's, that's been the best new one for me that I've never seen before. And it's uh it was a good one. I enjoyed that thoroughly.
1: That's a really good one. Yeah. Netflix also, Kurt Russell. Uh, we watched mm-hmm. it last year, but yeah, we'll have, I'm sure plenty of episodes leading up to Christmas talking about Christmas movies. Cause I know me and you are both in uh, cohesion with our love for those. So glad that we're on the same page there
0: yes we are christmas movie homers for sure
1: yes so well yeah we'll probably have a, a show fully dedicated to that so <laughs> um but uh as far as football goes we uh we have a good episode for you today we'll we we'll recap in uh, last weekend's games the ucla finale against cal with uh, the coach and i were both in attendance for and then uh rams and cardinals and chargers and broncos so we'll get to that um we also have a little bit of college news we want to at least talk about um I feel like we keep it pretty L.A. focused. One of this news, obviously, is related to um, L.A., one of the L.A. football programs, but one is more national. But we at just want to touch on it, um, get everyone kind of in the know. I feel like that's important. Um, but first, got to say, this episode is brought to you by the new Charmed app. For everybody out there in the dating world, it can get pretty frustrating trying to hit that first note, that first communication online with someone that you're interested in. How do you break the ice and stand out without looking stupid? For that, there's this new app out there called Charmed. It actually helps guys communicate better. Charmed uses both your friends and professionals to give you advice tailored to your match. For example, the most common opening lines are Hey and You're Beautiful. Think about it if you are the girl on the other end. Do you really want to hear you're beautiful for the thousandth time? Guys, you gotta try this. You gotta get on Charmed immediately. It'll make your dating life that much easier. Girls are looking for a reason to skip you, and these guys are professionals who have come up a way for you to be classy, unique, sophisticated, and most importantly, interesting and that's how you're going to get dates so hurry up visit www.charmed.app to get charmed your matches will thank you all right coach so we were in okay no actually we're going to do that in a second uh, our attendance at the UCLA game but first let's talk about uh, right here with the USC Trojans they were off this week after beating UCLA last week so they're waiting awaiting um, their bowl game but they were in the news still a little bit came out um, just kind of yesterday with the new opening, I guess you can say, at Texas, um, University of Texas for their offensive coordinator position, that current USC offensive coordinator Graham Harrell may have interest in moving over there. Um, I don't think that shocked me, but I guess we'll I'll open it with you. What's your, what's your thoughts on that and if you think it's an actual possibility?
0: Yeah, no, it doesn't shock me at all, and I think it's a definite possibility. Uh, you know, he's a Texas kid. Played for Texas Tech. Obviously, he's from Brownwood, Texas. Not a, exactly sure where that is, but it's somewhere in Texas. It's
1: it's near um, Austin, ironically well, there enough. You go. Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. Um, so yeah, obviously, you know, he'd be back home in his home state and and with the with his southern kind of laid back personality, who knows if he's really fitting in in L.A. You know, it, it it's it's hard to tell how comfortable he actually is. And and, and honestly, with the new you know, coaching change possibly looming. Um, we all kind of thought it happened at some point. Yeah, a couple of days ago, but that turned out to be a, a, a you know false report or whatever happened. I don't know. But um, Clay Hilton's still here for now. And uh, with all that, you know, I wouldn't blame him for wanting to get out. But it sounds like you know, Helton fired. Helton stays. Looks like Graham Harrell would would really be interested in that Texas job.
1: Yeah. So you know, if you live under a rock, what the coach is referring to just yesterday came out, what do what you, like 10 a.m., 11 a.m., right around that time, that Clay Helton mm-hmm. fired. All of a sudden, yeah. like reports came out that he was fired and then within the hour refuted, reports were false. Um, so it's kind of just in limbo right now. As of right now, Clay, Hel- Clay Helton is still the head coach of the UC Trojans. Graham Harrell is still the offensive coordinator. But I, I think that makes it even that much more, maybe enticing is not the right word, everything you said, about the job would make enticing, the fact that he's from Texas, he went to Texas Tech, he's a high school legend in Texas, his dad coaches in Texas, Um, you know, obviously the University of Texas has a lot of history. So many signs point to just him going there for those reasons. So enticing for this reason may not be the correct word, but just the fact that usc is still a program in limbo is clay helton going to be there next year is it going to be a new coaching staff is clay helton going to be there in four years if he's retained i mean you don't want to be some on someone's staff that you really don't know what his future holds because that affects directly your future um so if he has kind of a direct clear out where he can go and probably make more money if not the exact same amount uh, making a lateral move over to texas uh, i think it would be probably in his best interest but i know as a Trojan fan and someone that covers the team and, and someone here in L.A., I, I think that would be a huge loss for this Trojan program. And, you know, if Helton is officially fired, if that does happen, and say Urban Meyer is the guy that comes in, who's to say that he actually keeps Harrell on his staff? But it, as the staff is right now, which is Clay Helton as the head coach, this would be a huge, huge loss for this program.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it would be a pretty big loss. and. Um, but you know, Graham Harrell's got to do what's best for him and his family. So I'd, I'd wish him nothing but the best. He, he's served USC fairly well in his time here and, um, you know, uh, who's, who's to know what happens, you know, but, but right now it's looking like Graham Harrell 50, 50, if he's going to be a Trojan in the future.
1: Yeah, I know it's, it's weird you know, and it's the argument can be made that Clay Heldon is still in this position because of Graham Harrell's coaching on the offensive side of the ball i mean obviously the trojans had the fifth best passing uh, production despite having a true freshman start in keaton slovis um and that a lot was in due to um, harold's coaching so i uh, you know i think clay helton has to tip his cap to what harold did for him and and if he doesn't stay then that i think you know if you're a trojan fan that now it's kind of spin this a little bit if you're a diehard trojan fan and you're thinking kind of backwardly a little bit here see if i can make this make sense if you're thinking Graham Harrell is kind of the reason why Clay Helton's job is still his at the moment because of what the offense was able to do. Yes, Clay Helton's the head coach, but he brought in Harrell. That was his guy. And, you know, they're they're kind of considered like a marriage to Mike Bone at this point. If Harrell now leaves, that could in turn say, okay, let's move on from Clay Helton because he wasn't the one calling the plays. It wasn't his offensive um, system. So let's go ahead and move on from him and find a different coach. So if, if you're a turner fan, maybe that kind of backwards thinking, you may be hoping Graham Harrell does leave and takes this Texas opening.
0: Yeah. I mean if if, if that's yeah, if if you think Harold leaving is is uh you know, the final straw in, in Clay Helton's fate, sure. Uh but if Mike Bone really if he was willing to keep Helton just because Harold was on staff, I think he would offer Harold the, the head coaching job. Um right. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you keep a head coach around just because of who his O C is. I wouldn't do that. I think that's a that would be kind of silly, in my opinion. I don't know if Bone would do that, or um, I mean, because really, if you like that OC so much, you're willing to keep a head coach that you're not really sure about, then just make him the head coach if you, you know, if you want to keep him that bad. Um But yeah, I mean, that's an inter- interesting thought for for USC fans to look at it and say, you know, well, we're losing Harold, but you know, maybe we'll actually get someone in here to replace Helton now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't I agree with you. I don't think if. If you're keeping a head coach strictly because of his OC, then you shouldn't be keeping that head coach. Which uh, right. we all think yeah. you shouldn't be keeping this head coach anyway. Um, so anyway, but yeah, that, that's kind of the, the latest news on that. Um, nothing true or, or anything's happened. Just basically reports or that he would be interested in it. Which you know now there's an opening, so we'll kind of keep our uh, keep our eyes on that and see what happens. Um, you know, another Pac-12 news though. This shocking news today: Chris Peterson, head coach of the University of Washington Huskies, um, is going to be stepping down at the end of the year to retire. Um, We we wanted to bring this up mainly. This is an LA football podcast, and obviously, this is in the Pac-12, so it it does affect USC and UCLA. But more so, wanted to stamp out at this point any rumors. I saw a lot on Twitter today, uh, Trojan fans saying, "Oh, maybe Peterson's doing this because he wants to come to SC, or or Mike Bone's going to sign Peterson and." You know, as far as everything we've heard, everything we've read, every every speculation and, and source we've talked to, it's he's retiring. So this is not a move to come to you to the Trojans or be the next Trojans coach. So I just we kinda of wanted to bring it up to A, talk about him actually stepping down what it means for their program and, and kinda of the, the hindsight of the rest of the conference, but also just to say this is not a move that now the Trojans will be going after Chris Peterson to be their next head coach.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think the two are related at all. Uh, I think this is going to happen if the Trojans went, you know, undefeated and, and there is no coaching job at USC going to be available. I think Peterson's going to step down. It just seems to be that's what his decision is. And, um, and and one thing I read is that that's kind of why uh, Lake's been sticking around. It seems like this has kind of been known for a little bit or this maybe mm-hmm. been planned for the last two or three years to where Lake was going to take over for uh, Peterson once he did step down because Lake's had opportunities to leave. He's been a tremendous coach and yep. he's he's been on a lot of people's radars. Uh, and, and people have kind of tilted their head and said, well, why, you know, why isn't he leaving? Well, maybe this is the answer as to why he's not leaving. He went, he was just waiting until Peterson did leave. And now he's taken over and perhaps what his what is his dream job?
1: Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Leak, obviously the defensive coordinator who you're referring to, um, who they immediately announced as the was stepping in as the head coach. And I think they have already offered him like an extension or something, but he is he is not the interim head coach. He is going to be the head coach of the University of Washington um, as soon as uh, Chris Peterson coaches his last game, which will be their bowl game this year. Um, so good news on that front is it's not an, a head coaching vacancy that can potentially take someone away from the Trojans because that's already settled. On the bad news, that was a guy that I had as maybe a potential guy to take over for Clay Helton. I kind of liked Jimmy Lake and thought he could be a potential fit here. I think when we did our our top five list, he was on my list somewhere. Maybe he was just an honorable mention. I can't remember for sure. But, um, yeah, anyway, pretty shocking news from Peterson. But, uh, you know, it it seems like from everything I read that he was just, you know, it was time for him to just take a break from football, kind of like Urban Meyer did, and we could see him back in coaching and, you know, maybe take a year or two off and then see him back. Who knows? But uh, definitely a shocking news that uh, kind of rumbled the college football world today.
0: Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite coaches. I, I, I highly respect him. I've you know never met him in person, but love what he does and love what he's been doing at Washington. He's he's a very underrated head coach.
1: Yeah, I mean, what he did at Boise State, obviously unparalleled, and then to go over to Washington and turn them back into a probably, I mean, ever, ever since he's been there, they've been a top two Pac-12 team Every single year, usually number one, I'm just saying over the course of his entire coaching career. And then uh, in the national conversation every year, the only Pac-12 team to play uh, in the playoff, I believe. So, um, yeah, did some good things. So best wishes to Chris Peterson, but could bet well for USC and UCLA as maybe uh, maybe University of Washington will take a little bit of a, a downturn, at least for a year or two. <laughs> they would hope. Anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it'll be. I mean, with yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Lake does with that program. And I do believe that uh, wasn't was Oregon in the very first college football playoff with Mariota? Was that the year they lost to Ohio State in the national see, championship? I always,
1: yeah, I feel like they because I feel like they beat Florida State. And was that in the playoff or was that the year before the playoff started?
0: Yeah, I think I think that was the very first playoff in fifteen.
1: That may yeah, that may have been the first one then because I I yeah. remember that game specifically. Oregon Florida State. And I'm like, okay, was that a Rose Bowl game or was that it? But I think it was a playoff. So two teams, Oregon and Washington State, have both been in the playoff. Yeah. So, all right. Well, best wishes to him. Um, but, yeah, not coming to USC, so I don't think anyone, we need to just stamp that out. Chris Peterson will not be the next coach of the USC Trojans. Uh, still waiting on that. Um, it is strange. You know, we'll move on here right now. But it, it, how, is it weird to you that it's still, like, in limbo right now, this whole Clay Hilton thing? Like, what do you think What do you think Mike Bones waiting for?
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, if he, you feel like if he was going to be fired, it would have happened. But, I mean, they do have a bowl game coming up. You know, maybe you don't want to take away from that. You don't want to have an interim guy step in for the bowl game and, and risk losing a, a, a bowl game victory. Um, so, there, you, you know, I'm sure he's taking that into consideration. Um it would be weird to uh, USC go out and have a, a bowl game and get a victory. And then all of a sudden your head coach is getting fired. So I don't know. It's, it's a very weird yeah. dynamic right now because yeah, it's, it, what do you do? How do you handle the situation?
1: It's yeah. It's almost unprecedented. I can't think of a time like, uh I don't know. I can't think of a time. that's similar to this. So it's just very, yeah, it's very weird. And yeah, if they were to win a bowl game, then it just makes it that much harder to move on and, if they lose, then everyone's going to be, you know, calling for his head again, which they would do probably even if they won. So it's, you know, Mike Bones kind of going to lose-lose, but it, I think his one win is if, you know, he goes and gets over Meyer. Just need to make it yeah. happen. And who knows, maybe maybe behind the scenes there's some chatter between them going on and they're trying to see a deal, if they can get get even a deal done. Last thing you want to do is fire your coach, and the guy you wanted all along won't even come here. So um, mm-hmm. that maybe that could be happening behind. I don't know all the, the – Legalities and stuff of that nature, or what's allowed to be said, but that could certainly be the case too. Is him actually talking to other coaches and seeing what they could put into place before actually moving on from um, Clay Helton. So we'll see. Yeah, guess we'll keep waiting on that. Um, but UCLA. So me and you, we're at the game. Great time. Shout out to Corey Paz, uh, former UCLA Bruin quarterback and a co-host or we'll call him a teammate on the Believe Network as he hosts the uh, Something's Bruin podcast. Make sure to check that out. But we were able to hang out with him at the game, hang out in his beautiful suite at the Rose Bowl. So had a blast doing that. But um, another, another tough performance for the Bruins. Uh, you know, we wanted to see them go out with a win. Um, they started off fairly strong, but then could just never get anything sustained and kind of just I wouldn't even say fizzled out. They kind of started off pretty good, and then just really never were able to keep it going or get, or get anything past that from that first drive.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Um, yeah, it was kind of you felt like it was kind of a back and forth defensive affair the entire game. Uh, really strung out between each quarter. You know, they took a, a fourteen to ten deficit at halftime. You kind of felt like you know, you know but you never really felt like all right, UCLA is gonna gonna do something here. Yeah, I never felt like all right, here's where we're turning on, or here's where they turn on, you know, however. But I don't know. Cal just always seemed to be in control. Even though it was never really a big blowout or a big lead, I just always felt like Cal had control of the game.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, Chase Garbers, I wouldn't say is – I don't even know if I put him in the top half of the Pac-12, but he was by far the better quarterback in this game. Just much more poised, controlled, um, positive plays. I feel like every time we're talking about DTR, we talk about just negative plays. Uh, well, me and you were sitting there, what, in the third quarter, and it said he was like had negative 42 yards rushing or something like that, which is something mm-hmm. ridiculous just because he always, anytime there's any pressure, he doesn't run side to side or try to move forward. It's just immediately running backwards. He ends up getting sacked for 17 20-yard losses. Um, so I think that was one of the big storylines, just Chase Garber being more poised, um, just looking more mature, just better in the pocket, positive plays um obviously he had the one interception but still was able to rebound from that so yeah they just you know ucla and you know you don't want to be too hard on the kid but more even more so dtr they just couldn't get out of their own way on offense defense i thought played pretty valiantly they played pretty good cal's not a very a powerhouse offensive team but I thought the defense played well
0: yeah the defense did play well but and and you you hit the nail on the head cal's not known for their offense um they allowed Christopher Brown jr who, who's had a respectable year mm-hmm. uh, he's been a good running back for the Cal Bears but he had over a 100 yard game average over six yards of carry scored a couple times uh, and then even Chase Garbers on the ground did damage so the rushing defense for UCLA just allowing Cal to kind of just ground it out and and you know waste away need away time and and keep the ball in their hands that's you know yes the defense did well didn't didn't allow a, a you know a ton of points um, but but still didn't quite do as well well as i'd like them to do um and obviously wasn't good enough here the, but yeah you can't look at the offense and say well they did their job cuz <laughs> the offense didn't no. uh, and and Dor- yeah dtr man it was it was and you you know uh, you mentioned Corey. uh you know he he had a very good segment on dorian thompson robinson on his latest episode of his podcast so yeah, definitely go check that out but yeah dtr it's it's tough. It's tough right now because he just doesn't seem to be getting better. It doesn't seem like his awareness or his his feel for the quarterback position is getting better. Uh, you know, for this to be the final game of the year and he's still doing those same things where it's like he gets a little bit of pressure and he doesn't he didn't have that pocket presence where he can just step up and feel mm. it. He, he bails and he, it's not like he keeps his eyes downfield he he goes completely 180 back to the you know he's running backward yeah and uh that and then you know he tr- he tries too hard to to do these remarkable things with his athleticism what at this level you just can't do you know you're not a bishop gorman anymore and it's just it, you're not going to be able to do those things um so yeah the, his future at the position you know just not good and, and not only did chase garbers look better than him i thought. But for one drive, that final drive of the game, Austin Burton looked better. Yeah. You know, obviously it's a much smaller sample size. It wasn't strung out over the entire game, but I, I was impressed with Burton on that last drive. It was a key drive. They were they were driving to, you know, down 10, and they needed at some points to get on the board and keep this game alive. And, and Burton did his job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They weren't able to get points on the board, but they went down and got first and goal, in like the three yard line, and they weren't able to punch it in. Um, but he went eight for nine, 65 yards in that drive. Looked you know, calm, poised for being just thrown into a game. Um, if you didn't watch the game, DTR left on injury. Uh, you know, it was a, whether you want to say, I don't know, It pointed to his head. We saw that happen against the Trojan game. We saw it happen kind of all this game. I don't know if he got nicked in the head or, or, you know, if he's just kind of been banged up or what. It wasn't anything that looked malicious, more of a, I don't want to call it soft or whatever, you know, the kids out there playing, but uh, left the game on his his own kind of fruition, if you will, um, after taking some sort of lick to the head, and you never want to assume anything when it is to the head, but it didn't look like anything crazy, I thought. But anyway, so Austin Burton comes in on that last drive, thrusts in, and I thought, yeah, he looked good. You know, obviously, Cow may be playing a little bit of a prevent defense, but they're still a formidable defense, and he was able to move them right down the field methodically, and, uh, you, you know, just a little too late. I would have Honestly, I would have liked to have seen Burton play in the second, come out in the second half and get that first draft in the second half. I would have been curious to see how this game would be different if he would have played the whole second half.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I I wish it would have been Kelly's decision to to put Burton in and not DTR's pulling himself out, which is essentially what happened. Um, But yeah, you know, who's to see what the. With the feature holes, maybe we can see a true quarterback competition and Burton beats out DTR and maybe DTR you know, I don't know if he'd transfer or if he'd be willing to go to another position. Um, you know, maybe a wide receiver. But I I don't know. It'd be it'll be interesting. But UCLA, the future is bright, but yet there's still a lot of question marks at the most important position.
1: I know, and I you know, if this is Kelly, there's there's been obviously Chip Kelly that is, there's been I don't even want to call them rumors, but chatter kind of swirling about about you know whether he'll even be back next year, if they want to mutually part ways or whatnot. Um, I mean, all indications occasions I can tell is he'll be back for next year, but I think his leash is now getting tight, and this this is a make-or-break year for him going into year three. Um, I think it's for sure, at this point, bull game or bust next year. And from what we saw this year, now year two of Chip Kelly and DTR, year two of that marriage, I don't know if that's the horse you want to tie your carriage to going into next year. I think it's the best interest of Chip Kelly and this program to at least, at the very least, have a 100% open QB comp come spring uh, between Burton, Thompson, and if they're, whoever else they bring in um, from recruiting, if any transfers or any young guys come up, But to, to come out and say, and this hasn't happened, but if they were to come out and say at the spring game that, you know, DTR is the starter— I don't think that's the best for this program, and I think that's going to – could bode very poorly for Kelly in a make-or-break season in year three.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, you know, anytime you have up in the air with coaching or anything within the future year your program, stability is huge in recruiting. And, and, and these kids pay attention. They're they're seeing this like, you know, oh, was Chip Kelly never going to be there? Like, yeah, all this. The same things we can say about USC, mm-hmm. we can now, you know, Apply to UCLA. It's just, it kills recruiting when there's any type of instability at that head coach position, man. It, just, it, it kills programs.
1: Yeah. And at this point, you know, UCLA has like the 30th ranked recruiting class in the nation. They're the fifth-ranked recruiting class in the Pac-12. So the future is bright for this program. I know it doesn't feel that right now. Uh, you know, the team sits here at 4-8, and another losing season. One more win than last year. Doesn't feel like it, but they do have one more win than last year. Um, but the future is potentially bright. I just don't know if it's bright with Dorian as your starting quarterback. And I think it's time you make that switch and obviously you have a whole off season to go through it but you're, you know you're losing Joshua Kelly who's a senior who's kind of been your backbone of this team so there's question marks at running back and I don't know I, I'm still excited I still do I know we said this like three or four weeks ago I still am excited about the future I know it, these last three weeks were very murky and very you know not very exciting um, but I think there is still potential for this team I just think it's going to be not with Dorian as the starter next year
0: yeah of course And you know with the whole offseason we've seen guys in the past where all all of a sudden it seems like something clicks and they figure it out and they're completely different um you know maybe dtr can can have that epiphany that we've seen in the past from other players doesn't happen all the time but you know it 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 has happened in the past and um hopefully we we do see that because i do think he he has the ability to do it i just don't think he has a consistency that we that we that you need to see from that position um but yeah this if this offseason he doesn't just have you know Mm -hmm. clear and concise lead on that position then he we need to go in a different direction
1: yeah yeah unless he has that light bulb just brights up comes spring um there needs to be some changes made so the last thing i want to say about this before we move on joshua kelly um you know what a great great kid great player for this program that he's been um becomes the eighth Player in program history with back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, um, he locked that up on the, I believe it was the second drive of the game where he uh, notched um, on his second or third carry to put him over a thousand yards for the season. So finished the game 19 for 76 um, and then a touchdown. But you know, big shout to Kelly. Do you? We kind of talked about this off air. We talked about it at the game. Um, I think he. Has the potential to get drafted. I know you don't quite think as much just because of his size, um, but do you think we hear his name called come uh, NFL draft day here in April?
0: I don't. I honestly don't. I, I mean, he'll be in a camp. He'll be an undrafted free agent, I think. But with the running back class, it's pretty. It's pretty good this year. Yeah, um, it is and deep. Yes. So I don't. I personally do not think we do. Um, you know, he's that. He has that juco transfer label on him he only has really two years of production granted very good production mm-hmm. uh not taking anything away from him I think he you know he's one of my favorite running backs to watch I just don't think he gets drafted
1: yeah yeah I, you know it'll be tough I you know, I want to watch more of him, kind of break him down more. Obviously, we watched every UCLA game, but just really get into his personal tape, uh, which we'll do once draft season comes when we get into a lot of these players. But, you know, I think he's a shot to be a late-round guy. But, you know, with how deep running backs are, just running backs just in general every year, once you get to those later rounds, you're seeing guys drafted out of, you know, Eastern Carolina and, you know, all these smaller schools just because when it's that far down, the talent pool is so large and it's so close, those um, skill sets – um, but I just think his production should speak for itself. He did have great productions at a power five school. Um, and he was the backbone of this offense for both those years. So, um, I think he has a shop. Yeah. Like you said, no matter what, I think he'll be in a camp come, come, uh, July. So I don't think it matters if he's drafted or not. He'll be in a camp and he'll, it'll be his, uh, say if he makes a team or not. So, um, yeah, but yeah. Couldn't say enough about the kid and happy, uh, for him. Just wish the season would have ended better for the team in his final year.
0: Yeah, no. Hats off to him on a on a his back to back thousand yard year. You know, a part of UCLA history. He, yeah, he he did a lot for that program in his short time there. And I know he's probably going to go down as, as one of the most fondly remembered players uh, in UCLA history recently. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, so hats off to you, Mr. Joshua Kelly. So, all right. Well, tough tough loss for the Bruins. We had a fun time at the game. Great time with Corey. Um, and it was fun to hang out at the Rose Bowl on a rainy Saturday night in front of a uh, – well, we won't call it a sellout crowd, but <laughs> there were some people there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it – was, <laughs> yeah, it was spread out a little bit.
1: But, yeah, uh, you know, when, you, when you're a four-win team and it's a 45-degree night in Pasadena and rainy, you know, it's a tough sell. It could be a tough sell there, but, hey, we had fun. Yeah. So, all right, well, moving on to the pros. Before we do, though, I do want to talk a little bit about um, – The LAFB network, what we're doing over there, it is, uh, as many of you know, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Um, You're probably listening to this on Tuesday or Thursday, so right after Cyber Monday ended, but we are extending some deals throughout the rest of the week. Um, We have a yearly subscription package, half off, so $15 you can get the entire year. That's 75% cheaper than The Athletic. Um, if any of you ever consider that for your L.A. football news, uh, yeah, you can go to the LAFBnetwork.com and get it for 75% cheaper. 15 bucks for the whole year. Not a bad gig. No promo code needed. Just head to the website right now. Click subscribe and go to the yearly package. Um, we also have a lifetime package. We're doing that uh, 25% off Plus, you get a free coffee mug and a beanie, so um, if that's something you want as well. So yeah, check out LAFBnetwork.com. It has all of our podcasts on there, including this one, the Believe in LA Football podcast. Uh, has all of our written articles covering the Rams, Chargers, Bruins, Trojans, and soon-to-be LA Wildcats at the XFL, so just kind of a, a hub for LA football. So head there and uh, purchase one of those subscription packages so you are in the know for all of LA football. All right, Coach, so now let's go to the pro ranks. We will start with the Chargers, who found a way to yet again lose in the most Chargers way possible. But before we get to the ending, um, I'm sure everyone knows how it ended by now. Um, again, I feel like we talk about this every game, some good things. I mean, another. it's a three-point loss, so another one-possession loss, adding to their eight total losses of all within one possession. Um, I thought Phillip Rivers looked decent, looked better, obviously had the one really poor decision with the interception. Um, but I, I I don't know, division game, close game, but he playing against a rookie quarterback, had zero sacks on him. Um, it was kind of a lot more of the same with this Chargers team that really hasn't been able to get over that hump we thought they would early in the year.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> boy, mm. yeah, it, it, that was rough. That was rough to see. There were there were flashes. I mean, Mike Williams had a big day. um Keenan Allen had that uh, that one big touchdown catch that looked really really pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Keenan, you know, he went airborne. It was probably not necessary for him to do, but hey, look good. Um, yeah, they just they got. I don't want to say they got outplayed. It was a good game. It was a good game throughout the whole thing. Um, Chargers put themselves in a great position to to go into overtime, but that that call at the end of the game to take that shot when it feels like that's exactly what they wanted to happen the broncos uh, you know that they, they go deep and they get a defensive pass interference call on casey hayward i feel like that's the i feel like that was the, the plan the whole time and the genius if that's what they were trying to do cuz it worked yeah. uh put themselves in in perfect field goal position and and <sighs> kicked themselves to a win so yeah that was that was definitely a a charger way to lose to where it was i remember i even tweeted out i said barring something crazy this game's heading overtime <laughs> and a few few seconds later i had to say update something crazy happened yeah. uh, broncos won so um it's yeah i mean gordon had another big game almost had his second hundred yard game of the season on the ground mm-hmm. uh yeah philip had he, he wasn't terrible 20 29 that's that's efficient yeah uh, a couple touchdown passes and you know, it's it, it, it's really rough because it's it's yeah you're going against a rookie quarterback, but he he did look good. Drew Lock was impressive. Um, it seems like he and Cortland Sutton already have a something going. Um, but yeah, it's this was this was a tough one to swallow. But what Chargers lost this year hasn't been a tough one to swallow. Just, I just feel like this is the year that the Chargers are having.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's not most teams. You look at you look at one game. You're like, well, that was just oof, just a bad game. Forget about it. Like move on every Chargers game is like it's a game this team could easily be nine and three eight and four uh ten and two easily just because every game comes down it seems like it comes down to that last two minutes and they're usually just they've been on the wrong end of it obviously eight times uh so first off the pass interference call at the end of the game do you think it was a good call do you agree with the call um subjectively was it the was the right call made in your your opinion.
0: I think so. I mean, you hate to see something like that called that late, but Hey, if that's a pass interference call with under a minute left, it's a, it's a pass interference call in the second quarter. Like it's pass interference is pass interference. I I do think it probably was, it should have been called. Um, so, you know, like I said, I just think that if that was the plan, I don't think that the Broncos had any sort of real plan that they wanted to complete that pass. Um, I think that was what they wanted to do the whole time. Um, but again, I, yeah, just to answer your question, I, I do think it was a warranted call.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, because I've heard a lot of, like, you can't make that call at that junction in the time. Like, you can't make a call that completely sways the game. But, but I mean, it's funny. I literally was watching it. I, was at, um, I wasn't at home, but I was watching it on a screen somewhere, and... As it happened, I literally thought of a conversation me and you had at the UCLA game. We're sitting there, and you were saying, as a coach, nothing drives you crazier than when a defense defender won't turn around and look at the ball. And That's exactly what Casey Hayward did. He just played the body, didn't play the ball. And so, by rule, if you're not playing the ball, automatically it's pass interference if he's obviously, you know, impedes the um, receiver to be able to make uh, the play. So, and that's what happens. So, you know, I thought it was, you know, a warranted call. It's a tough situation. And, yeah, I'm sure the Broncos just said, hey, send Cortland on a fly and throw it up. And at worst, it's an interception and game over. At Or not game over, but we go to overtime. At best, uh, we get the pass interference call and we're in field goal range. So worked out for them. Yeah, it's it's just another unfortunate situation for the Chargers to end like that. Um, but looking at the actual game, and you you mentioned – you know, Drew Locke looking good for the Broncos. And I think a lot of Bronco fans uh, were happy to see some of the potential, obviously a lot to work on, but we're happy to see those flashes of what he's able to do and that connection with Cortland Sutton. And so this is where, from the Chargers' perspective, that I thought defensively they played very well. Overall, I think the Broncos had like under 225 yards of total offense. So defensively, after other than that first drive or so, they were able to keep their, that second drive, excuse me, really keep them fairly in check. But... This was the first week of practice that Drew Locke played with the ones. He had 75% of the snaps this week. Before that, it was under 50%. And then before that, he was on IR. So, you know, really not a lot of time to get connection with uh, Cortland Sutton, but it looked like they had been playing all season. First time playing behind this offensive line ever, obviously being a rookie, his first ever game start. And you have the the two best pass rushers tandem in the league still today with Melvin Gordon, and Joey Bosa, and not one sack. Not one on a on a Broncos offensive line that has been criticized all season as being one of the worst. So so while I, I comfortably sit here and say I thought defensively this team played well, you look at those two factors, very little practice time between a rookie quarterback and his receiving core, and very little to no game time and experience for a rookie quarterback in his offensive line, and you get no sacks in a game. That, to me, yes, there's the unfortunate pass interference in the game. Yes, there was, there was moments that could have changed things, but... The lack of pressure and the lack of bringing the rookie quarterback down and getting him rattled, that to me is more the difference in this game, and that should be pinpointed as a failure by this Gus Bradley defense um, on Sunday. Maybe I'm being overcritical. I don't know.
0: No. I mean, this This is a defensive-centered uh, team, I, I guess. The, the strength of the team is on the defense uh, with the type of playmakers they have over there, regardless of any any uh, injuries. So, yeah, that is a little disheartening, and—, and uh, especially with the way that defense has been playing, you know, they've, they played great against the Chiefs. They played great against, you know, other teams and they've really brought the fire, especially Joey Bosa. He, he's been on a tear lately and Melvin, Melvin Ingram has been playing great. Um, but yeah, so, so this game, I, I don't know if they just, you know, hit their wall or that, you know, this was just a down week or whatever it was, you know, something happened to where they just, they, they couldn't get this, the pass rush going and they couldn't get in the face of Gore, uh, of lock, excuse me. Um, so yeah very unfortunate to see that the defensive performance statistically wise you know yardage wise sure they did a good job they, yeah they stopped the bleeding you know denver got up quick and then you know after the first quarter they only allowed nine more points the rest of the game you know that that's a great job but yeah to not force any you know major turnovers or uh any big sacks is is you know yeah, that hurts
1: yeah i mean yeah the statistically with the yards, I thought they looked good. But, yeah, just when those critical moments, bringing the quarterback down, getting him rattled, getting him, you know, thrown off early, um, I think that obviously is important and, and could have done things differently. But, you know, another tough loss. So, uh, you know, last thing I, I kind of want to say about them is, you know, it seems like this season and even – well, not, not really even going into last season, but this season, what's up with punt returners? No one can field a punt on this team, it seems like. Uh, you know, you have – Guys, they they put a different guy back there. It seems every week, and no one can do it. They had another fumble this week.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know if that. You know, I hate to point fingers and and say that. You know, that kind of comes down to coaching. But yeah, if you have multiple guys back there and you you still can't do it, that that tells you something. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you might want to relook at that and see see what's going on there.
1: Yeah, man. So yeah, another obviously critical fumble that led to a touchdown or led to a field goal, but um, so led to points and. I thought it was an interesting stat when watching the game. the The Broncos have only put up 17 points in the first quarter twice this season, and both times it was against these Chargers. So, um, never good to be the, uh, the other end of a stat um, for a team that doesn't do something very often. So, but another tough loss for the Chargers. Um, obviously, now I think. I don't know why we need to keep saying this. The season was probably over a while
0: ago, but, you know, they'll,
1: they'll, you know, keep playing, keep playing hard, and uh, we'll see how they regroup uh, for their game next week.
0: Yep. Going up against Minshew Mania.
1: Yeah, yeah. Minshew back as the starter now, so they get to place, place another rookie. Has a little more experience, though. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, uh, the Jags announced Minshew will be the—I st- I thought it was interesting. This obviously is, has nothing to do with us, but the, Doug Marone came out and announced that Minshew is the starter for the rest of the year, not just for this game, but he will be the starter at quarterback for the rest of the year for the Jaguars.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that is interesting. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe, <laughs> could, maybe we'll see uh, Nick Foles in, in a Bolts uniform next year. <laughs>
1: Knows. yeah i yeah i don't know that that's that's a whole other conversation for i mean maybe in the offseason we'll talk about it but that was a signing that i didn't really see anyway i know he's a super bowl mvp but sometimes you got to look at surrounding factors and stuff too but whatever well we yeah. won't we won't go down that rat, rabbit hole right now because that'll take us far off our trajectory which um right now we will go ahead and go into the rams game well, one on a positive Rams bounce back in a huge way against the Cardinals yes we talked about you talked about specifically how you thought this Cardinals team is not very good um they've been in games um but overall it's not a very well coached team at the moment and they look like that on Sunday as the Rams um trounced the Cardinals 34 to 7 looked good in all facets what was your biggest takeaway your your thing you uh, enjoyed watching the most in this one
0: I just like how, you know, and I mentioned it in our last podcast, how the Rams need to control this from start to finish. And if they don't, it'll be, you know, a loss in my book. And that's exactly what they did. I loved what they did that came out. Um, controlled the game. Had a big second quarter, 17 points. Um, Goff had a great day. You know, almost 430 yards of passing, a couple touchdowns. Gurley looked good on the ground. Uh, he was very efficient. Robert, it just everybody seemed to be playing their role and playing it well. And they, they, the, the Cardinals were never in this game, and the Rams made sure everybody knew it.
1: Yeah, it, you know, I, I think what I liked most about it is is everyone, since it's concluded, talked about how they responded, and they they usually are referring to how they responded from that. Ravens game which obviously you see the end result and yes they did respond after a brutal loss at home to the Ravens on primetime but what I'm referring more to is five minutes with five minutes left in the first quarter the Rams line up for a field goal Greg's laying field goal missed the field goal so now instead of being six nothing it's three nothing with five minutes left in the first quarter and you I'm sure everyone was thinking here we go again the offense just can't still can't get over the hump here we are we just put up seven point or six points against a, a the Ravens team got absolutely blown out, and here we are almost the end of the first quarter against the Cardinals team, and we have three points on the board. Um, and so after that, though, that's when they really kicked things in the high gear. You mentioned a 17-point second quarter, really got things going. I thought Goff overall looked very, very good. They were they were getting him a lot of action out of the pocket, a lot of bootlegs, um, getting his feet moving, which we've talked about a lot in this podcast, how He's not known as a, a mobile or athletic quarterback, but he, he's a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. And he's actually good at throwing on the run. He's good out of the pocket, and he has a high completion percentage, and he was able to prove that uh, on Sunday against the Cardinals. So I liked seeing them go back to that a little bit. and uh, But yeah, I liked how they responded after that missed Zerline kick with five minutes left in the first.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was good too. You want to see the those kinds of things in game as well as from game to game. So yeah, that was that was definitely a big coup for the for the entire team to to not get themselves down after you know a, a big miss field goal. Well, I wouldn't call it a big miss field goal, but a miss field goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, uh, hats off to the entire Rams organization. That this was a good win.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so you have other than that missed field goal, the special teams look good. Obviously, the defense played great. Um, they didn't give up that seven points till the very very end of the game. So they were pitching a shutout. Taylor Rapp. First pick six. Let's go, baby. I mean, that's looking like a, a pretty dang good pick.
0: Yeah, rap draft uh, pick, uh, that
1: is, and a pick like interception pick, but
0: Yeah, yeah. Rap's <laughs> been playing very well for the for the Rams. It seems like they have a, a playmaker in the secondary for many years to come and he keeps he just keeps getting better. And uh so yeah, definitely he looked good.
1: Yeah. So I do want to mention I had uh talked about on the last show, I predicted a big day for Gerald Everett. Obviously Jared Everett did not end up playing. Um, he uh, you know he was day to day when I predicted it. He ended up not he was inactive for the game. My prediction was eight catches for 145 yards and a touchdown. So obviously Jared Everett did not play. Tyler Higbee, though, seven receptions, hundred and seven yards and a touchdown. So uh, the tight end position went off. Higbee had his first hundred yard receiving day in his career. Um so I don't know what I don't know what it is about Vance Joseph defenses that can't cover tight ends or if, if teams just know that and say, Oh, if we're playing Vance Joseph, let's just incorporate our tight ends more into the game plan. I don't know, but either way he had a great game. And uh, but that was slightly overshadowed by Robert Woods, who, you know, thirteen receptions, hundred and seventy two yards, um seemed like he had the ball in his hand half the game for what it seemed.
0: Yeah, Robert Woods definitely needs to he sh- i mean i'm sure the game ball went to golf um usually does go to the qb but robert woods probably should have deserved that game ball 19 targets i mean that, that's yeah. that's remarkable 13 catches yeah he never got in the end zone uh, which is fine he did you know he did he did his job elsewhere and, and got the offense moving so yeah robert woods had a hell of a game
1: yeah they each got a game ball to answer your question so well, there you go yeah so I, I, Sean McVay, if you watch a lot of, uh, I don't know how many people out there watch their um, victory speeches, but he, he tends to give out like between four and 10 game balls. So some coaches literally give out like two and Sean McVay gives out like four or five or six every game, it seems like. So they each got one. Um, yeah. what do you overall think of, of Goff overall? I mean, how, how do you think he responded?
0: No, he, he was fine. I mean, he, you know, he, he did his job. he, he had a great game. Good job, bouncing back. He he faced a much different defense. This defense is is not a good defense. Obviously, the Ravens' defense is much better. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd like to see. Obviously, you're not going to throw for over 400 yards against the elite defenses in the league. But I'd like to see a little middle ground. You know, I, I I'm very pleased with his performance here, but let's let's get a little bit going against those top tier defenses. Yes, you look you look great against Arizona, but a lot of people do. I need you to really step it up and and when when the Rams are are against those top elite Super Bowl contending defenses, let let's let's do a little better than what we've been doing. You know, I it's 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 either he's doing really, really well or he's he's in the basement. I, I want to see that middle of the ground from golf.
1: Yeah, and I think at this point in his career, um, you know, you, you can uh, let me know if you agree or disagree, but I feel like we just we know what golf is and then into your of want to see middle ground. That's kind of been his M.O. for his career is he plays great against the soft defenses and bad teams and and kind of goes into a hole against the good defenses. But that can be alleviated with, you know, a good game plan, a good running game um, and, and certain instances of players and personnel surrounding him. And so, you know, everyone wants to, say whether they want to move on from him or which they're not gonna be able to with that contract they just gave him, but uh whether he's a lead or not. You know, I I think at this point it's just he is what he is. And we know what he is. He's a he's an accurate quarterback. He's more mobile than he looks. Um he can do things outside of the pocket. Um he's got good arm strength, but he has to have, you know, a lot of things kind of go in his favor in order to make those things work. And that's not the end of the world. I mean Let's be honest, Tom Brady's not someone like Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes that's going to be making these unbelievable acrobatic passes, and he's going to go down as arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. It's about how you game plan, how you systematically put pieces around your quarterback to give him the best success um, or the best ability to have success. And so as long as the Rams do that, I think they're going to be fine with Jaron Goff. I think this, this whole sky is falling about him and his contract and about he's you know, a bust and he's not going to work anymore. No, it's just they need to build this team around him and what he's good at. And this game, yes, this is not a good defense, but this game kind of shows his ability when he's given the right pieces and how he's able to do that. So as long as they systematically do that moving forward, he's going to be fine. I mean, he'll be a Rams quarterback, obviously, for many years now with that contract. So it's just knowing he is what he is. And as long as you know that and you accept that and you you build around him and create plays and schemes that, that fit that, then the Rams, I think, will be fine. And uh, like you said, though, we just need to see that happen against good teams which that's where brady has separated himself is he has a very specific skill set but that skill set doesn't fall off against good defenses that's when it almost ramps up a bit and he plays even better so as long as goff's able to kind of compensate that way i think he'll be just fine
0: yeah yep yeah you just got to make sure he's put in the best situations for for what he can bring to the table
1: yeah but i mean that one touchdown to cooper cup you know that thread like right on the um what, like five yards deep into the end zone, right on the sideline there, um, right over a defender's hand, like that was pinpoint accuracy. Like it, it, stuff like that shows you the kind of arm talent he has. It's Just about you know having whether he has enough time or if it, if the offensive line is struggling like it has been, getting him out in space. So, yeah, but I you know I'll get off my soapbox now. I just think people like to overreact. I think he's okay as long as he he just has the pieces around him.
0: Yeah, no, he. he I mean, we've talked about it. He can win you games. He can take you to a Super Bowl. You just can't have him win the game for you
1: yeah yeah he's not a you know i don't think he's a john elway or a or a guy that's going to just elevate his team to a very high standard he can make people around him better but um he's not going to just carry a team on his back which that's okay that's yeah. okay that is okay um yeah defense i thought obviously the great i mean we mentioned scored a touchdown only gave up seven points um really shut down murray what'd you think of murray in this game since we talked about him a bunch last podcast kyler murray, yeah that i is. mean
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't lose the game for him, but I mean, you know, he's a rookie quarterback, you know, uh, you know, 19 to 34, only 163 yards. He, he is what he is. And um, he was he had a lot of pressure in his face and the the Rams did a great job and he, there's not the the Rams offense is not, or I'm sorry, the Cardinals offense is not where it needs to be yet. It's just very, very young. Not a, not a, not a great offensive line, but not a terrible one either. Um, They played a lot better this year than they have uh, previous years, but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I didn't think, you know, I'd walk away from this game thing, and oh, all. Kyler Murray's a bust. I just thought, yeah, rookie quarterback.
1: Yeah, no, I thought, yeah, he showed flashes. Obviously, his, his the one touchdown was a rushing touchdown from him, so he shows the speed there. Did you notice? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not at all trying to make this sound critical or, or bad at all, but he almost has this, and and sometimes this is good from a quarterback, but he almost has this super cocky demeanor in the pocket. And and here's what I mean. Do you you know those time when you watch like boxing matches? And there's the one boxer that, you know, as a boxer, you're training, you know, to keep your hands up by your protect your face. You're always in that position where you're, you know, less, less motion. Cause you want to have your, your hands ready to punch. And there's those one boxers that kind of just, that leave their gloves down by their side and kind of just are like swagging back and forth. Like, you know, just, they don't need to have their hands up cause they're, they're that good. Mm-hmm. I noticed that a lot in the pocket, like he kind of would just get the ball and not even like raise it up. He'd have it down by his side, just kind of like, look, and then just like, tuck it and chuck it. And I don't know if it's just because they were losing by so much. I haven't watched a ton of Cardinals football um, to watch how he's been all season, but is that something you noticed at all or no? Am I just, am I drawing weird conclusions?
0: I mean, I just think that's fundamentals. I mean, the guy has, he, what did he start one, one year or two in, in college? Yeah. Um, You know, he, he hadn't had a lot of experience there and in Oklahoma. He he was able to do that just because of the team he had around him. So I, I just think that's something that you, you have to coach out of him. Um, you know it may it might be a little bit of a cockiness or or swagger or whatever you want to call it, but I just think it's fundamentals and, and him playing the the true NFL quarterback position. and honestly, you know Cliff Kingsbury, I, I don't know who the quarterback coach is or or all that, but you know, Cliff Kingsbury, that that might be a reflection on him because he comes from a, a system at Texas Tech where they didn't really have the most fundamentally sound quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's something I know. Maybe, you know, anyone listening out there, go back and maybe watch the highlights. But I just, I found that interesting. I was like, okay, he's literally, he'd get the snap and then just, like, hold the ball down by his waist without even, like, you know, a lot of quarterbacks are kind of, like, hopping around a little bit. They look, like, fidgety. Like, they're looking around. He literally just, like, caught it, was flat-footed, and then just, like, would throw it. And I, it's hard to explain just, like, talking over the airways without using my hands and stuff. But, I don't know. Go back and look at it. I just you know, found that kind of interesting. But it could have also been they were down 34 to nothing. So maybe it was just a demeanor thing, which isn't good to see either. But, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, big win for the Rams. Good way to bounce back. 7-5, and five, still very much alive in the middle of us podcasting right now. It looks like the Seahawks are going to win and beat the Vikings. So now they're a game back from the Vikings in the wild card. Um, so, you know, last week seemed like a lot of depression and desperation from fans and you know now it's they're one game back the wild card so you never know
0: yeah you, you, you can't drop another one though because the vikings have a, a fairly cushy schedule if i remember right, i think they play the packers one more time but yes. outside of that they don't play a whole lot of competition uh rams do rams have a big game against the seahawks and you know cowboys are kind of reeling but again cowboys could probably beat any team in the nfl this year uh, they just haven't um and then 49ers and then you end you know with Another Cardinals game, so yeah, very tough stretch for the Rams, but they are alive. Uh, but you you probably can't lose.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, 100 percent have to win out. 100 percent have to win out. So, um, we will get to uh, their preview um, on Thursday of who they play next week. So, but big win this week, so happy for that. So, all right, coach. Well, that's all I got. I don't know if you got anything else for that.
0: No. Yeah, they did what they were supposed to do.
1: Yeah, they did. So, All right. Well, thank you all for listening to the Believe in LA Football podcast. Thanks for tuning in, listening to us uh, recap. Um, no college previews next week. Obviously, we'll wait till the bowl games gets announced for uh, where USC will be playing. UCLA, unfortunately, their season is done. Um, so we'll be doing some, um, I'm sure, prospect talk and draft talk regarding uh, some of their players moving on to the draft. Um, but won't be any more previews for them. So we'll talk just next week the rams and chargers we're going to be doing some wildcat stuff as they launch their mini camp this week they actually announce their uniforms tomorrow in las vegas that's kind of exciting for all those new wildcat fans we'll maybe touch on that on thursday too actually no we will touch on that on thursday something we'll do some wildcat talk on thursday we haven't really done that yet so i need to announce the new team that we will be covering here on Believe. so we'll talk some xfl some rams some chargers so but thanks for tuning in this week hope everyone had a tremendous thanksgiving coach hope you had a good thanksgiving i know you did because we hung out but uh thanks for jumping on with me on a monday night
0: yes same to you man have a good one
1: yeah absolutely so thank you all make sure to check out lafbnetwork.com as our cyber monday deals are extended all through the week um so go there you can get a yearly subscription for only 15 bucks 75 percent cheaper than the athletic and you'll get all the best la football coverage so have a good night Enjoy your week, and we will talk to everyone on Thursday.
0: Touchdown. Believe in LA Football Podcast. Touchdown Rams. Touchdown UCLA. Recovered by the Chargers. The Trojans back in front. With your hosts, the coach and the Don, part of the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network.